Welcome, guys. We have a very special episode today. Uh, we are actually going to speak with the FTA live, with the Float community live, which is going to be really cool. Uh, so just want to let you know that the audio is going to be a little bit different than usual just because of that. There might be a little bit of needing to turn the volume up or down based on who's talking just because of the nature of how this audio was recorded with, with the community. Uh, some really interesting discussion goes down. I'm really excited for the rest of the Float community who wasn't there live participating to actually be able to listen in and uh, learn and, and have feelings about it and share with the rest of the community as well and hopefully continue building. So I hope you really enjoy this. Uh, I also want to thank a few sponsors before we get started for sponsoring this live episode, which is really exciting for us. Uh, first, gosh, the float conference. The announcement is out. This is the last float conference hosted by Float On. And uh, man, what an end of an incredible era. I think this year's conference is going to be kind of legendary in a way, and it'll be something that people spe speak about going down uh, through through time here as the industry grows. I think if there's ever a time, if you haven't been to the Float Conference, to go, it's now. It's to experience this crazy event that's a party, that's a learning experience, that's a bonding experience, this really special thing put on by these really creative people. It's it's really special uh, August 18th and 19th this year. My gosh, uh, that definitely shook me, that announcement, and uh, I'll just try to savor every minute here. And I, I jokingly complain about how stressful it is in Portland having people uh, come in and visit, but quite honestly, it, it's just been the absolute coolest experience being able to stay at home um, and in my hometown of Portland and have people visit, be able to check out my float center and be able to just see everybody in the industry every single year. It's going to be completely, completely different for us going forward. And my goodness, floatconference.com is where you want to go for that. Also, I want to give a shout out to Escape Pod. Escape Pod Tank is where you want to go to learn about Jeremy Warner's float tanks. They're a little bit funky, uh, really cool, interesting float tanks that are definitely spark conversation as soon as you see them. He's got quite a few, I think three different models now, starting with the, the original Escape Pod. Uh, I think he calls it the Explorer. Now the Earth and the Philion are out there. They're starting at $8,900. So if you're on a budget, this is an absolute must investigation for you to check out uh, escapepodtank.com. And I say it every single time, uh, Jeremy provides great customer service. It's something that's kind of priceless. Uh, when you're buying a float tank. So check that out. Again, escapepodtank.com is where you want to go. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the live discussion. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive, our weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers. We love it when you join us as we work together to raise our education level on building, marketing, and running our float centers. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Art of the Float and on artofthefloat.com to find show notes, links, pictures from every episode, all that good stuff. I'm your host tonight, Dylan, and tonight is a very special episode. We have a, uh, a live episode. It's not just me, Amy. Amy's not here tonight, um, but uh, we have the whole float community is here tonight. Everybody can say hello if you want to. <laughs> hello. Uh, hello. Woohoo. So, Hi. Uh, this is a very live episode. It's a live discussion. And the idea is we want to talk to the FTA. We have two representatives tonight. We have Kevin Johnson and Shoshana Liebner uh, and Glenn and Lee Perry are here tonight. So, so uh, we have several, many representatives, representatives from the FTA. Uh, I want to break up this evening into a few different uh, chunks. I want to 
first uh, open it up to the community to talk about um, any issues, gripes, needs, things that they feel like haven't been shared, et cetera. And then I want to give the FTA about 20 minutes of time to respond to that, um, to share anything that they feel like the community isn't aware of, what have you. And then I would really like to spend the next uh, portion of time to talk about where we're going to go with where uh, the community can come together with the FTA and we can bring um, bring this whole thing forward in a positive manner where the FTA feels uh, valued, where the uh, Float Collective feels like the FTA has value, all of that stuff. And um, that is really my goal. And that's why I'm kind of shortening up the, the kind of, the I'll call it venting time, because I feel like there's been plenty of that over the years. I think there probably hasn't been a lot that hasn't been said. Um, but of course, I do want to give a chance for anything that, that hasn't. So uh, let's see here. Um, you know, Dan Larson, are you here? I am. Yeah. Cool. Man. You know, I think I'm going to hand it over to you first. And uh, and actually, you know, before that, uh, Shoshana and Kevin, hello. Welcome. Thank you guys so much. Glenn and Lee, thank you guys so much for being here this evening. I really, truly appreciate it. And I really am excited for positive things to come from this, this get together tonight. Thanks, Dan. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dylan, this, this might deeply surprise you, but yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause for right now and listen instead for a bit. Oh, my goodness. Okay, great. <laughs> cool. Well, then it'll probably just be a five-minute venting session. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I have my thoughts, but I, I, want, I want to listen to others first. Okay. I mean, yeah. So. Okay. Does anybody else want to begin? Cool. I'll begin. Great. Yes, finally, my griping hour. Uh, so um, I think my biggest issue with the FTA, gosh, do I have to start it like that? Um, what I want from the FTA is transparency. And I think the two uh, things that I feel haven't been transparent are where money goes and where time is spent. And that is, I don't think I'm the first person to bring that up. So maybe this is just another repetition in that. Um, but I want communication of what's going on. I want it to be regular and I want to know that there's value. Um, and I think the only other thing I would put in the needs category, things that I would want are uh, recurring payments. And I know that's been brought up recently and I think that might even be moving forward. So um, I'll let you guys respond to that. Um, but that, that's all I've got. Is everybody else just happy as a clam? I, I wouldn't say happy as a clam. I mean, I, I think that um, I, I'd like to start this off on a positive note just by thanking the FTA for what they do behind the scenes and um, you know, there's talk about transparency. There's a lot of things that are that's invisible. I think that that's being being done that that we don't necessarily see. That you know, communication may be one thing, but and we'll have them have a chance to talk a little bit about that. But um, and I, I hope that they are able to talk about some things that they do behind the scenes because that's part of the value of of an association is someone that's going to go to bat for you and that's going to do things behind the scenes that doesn't always have to brag about it or talk about it or, or you know, f find ways to pat themselves on the back or whatever, not necessarily take credit for, for this and to make sure that, you know, that, th that this industry, um, you know, survives and thrives and that, you know, we need to pr protect ourselves too. And I think that that doesn't always like, you know, like our own government, you know, we don't, doesn't always communicate it in, in the right way. Um, but I would like to just start off on a positive note and just say, you know, thank you for all the things that we don't necessarily see that are being done. 
Thanks, David. That's excellent. If I was a better host, I would have would have said the same. That was great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, on, in the same vein, I'd like to also just say thank you for you know being around for the last 45 or more years and archiving all the information that's been around um, in the float world and making it available to people. I mean, the things that I I was one of I, w I became a member of the FTA when I bought my first tank back in 1980 something, and it was something that was just offered to me as a as a, a float aficionado and we just said well of course we will I mean it was like 50 bucks or something and back in 1980 something that wasn't nothing but it just made sense to be part of something that and if we're going to be part of a community that we pay dues to be able to be part of that community and you know for that we got all kinds of good things you know we got information and this is before the internet so I mean we got things in the mail like I think we got a newsletter and, you know things like that and so I was really happy to see this time around that the FTA was still in force, you know, when I got back in 1915, excuse me, 20, 2015, Thank you. that um, it was still around and, and viable, and that made me really happy. Um, ah, <laughs> um, um, I think there's a lot... Uh, um, I think there's a, a lot that we can do. I actually just wrote... Um, a proposal to the FTA suggesting um, ideas for membership and um, uh, benefits that we could have as you know as members of the FTA. And also, I think maybe one of the biggest faults that they've had is giving out too much information without charging for it. Um, I think that people undervalue the FTA because they've been getting it for free for a long time, even though they should have been paying. It. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, I do appreciate this positivity and uh, I do want critical feedback right now. I do want to know where the gaps are in what people are receiving or think about the FTA. Um, and again, I want it to be positive, but I do think there's a space for, for critical feedback. I mean, I know that it, it exists. Um, so is there anything else that anybody would like to share then before we, we switch? I'll share, um, you know, I listening to the podcast and then also some of the conversations that have come up in Float Collective, I think one of the most common things that people say is, you know, what does the FTA do for me? Why should I um, join? And I know that there have been lots of discussions, you know, on the side, but I think that's one of those areas of opportunity that continues to, to really be just such a huge stumbling block for the organization, for people to support the FTA, for the FTA to be able to continue to support the industry. Um, and I just want to throw that out there that to me, that's one of those big kind of, it's an elephant in the room that people don't understand what they get out of it. And I think that's a, a really huge opportunity to continue to, you know, to work through communications. I don't know how frequent emails are sent and things like that. Um, so that's just one of those like pleading kind of things that um, really could open the doors to a lot more people being interested in joining it could spark conversations i know there's constantly stuff happening you know in the float collective when people ask questions and people say oh well they talked about that on um the art of the float podcast here's a thing it could be the same way with information coming from the fta of you know oh i saw an email the other day about x y and z um and the more people are talking about what they're getting from it the more people are going to want to join and the more you know people are joining and it becomes kind of its own force versus this like 
struggle of back and forth of why should I join it? Well, why should you, 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 you should be supporting the work. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to kind of break down those silos. It's not an us versus them. Um, and really just to get to that place where everything is being communicated openly, clearly, and, and, you know, coming from all of the, the positive places. So. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. Did anybody else want to share? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take a stab. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I, I think just to echo, um, you know, something Dylan said, transparency, accountability, I think perception and reality are two different things with the FTA. I think the perception that a lot of people in the float industry have is exactly what Kim was saying, where, you know, why, why should I pay membership dues? In reality, there may be stuff going on behind the scenes, there may be stuff going on that you need help with, and you need specific skill sets for. The industry is very connected and very obviously attuned to using technology in, in ways of uh, creating efficiencies so that we can communicate more um, quickly and efficiently with each other. And with all the newer, younger people coming into the industry, this is their native space. This is what they're used to, is communicating using these tools like fa the Facebook group and you know things like email even are slow for a lot of people nowadays. And people in the float industry like to almost get, it almost seems like they wanna get their hands in and get, uh, they want to help, but they just don't know how. And when they go to a website that looks like, you know, it was built in 19, the 1990s, it makes them lose a little bit, I think, of, um, of faith in the organization as well, just being kept up with the times. And I think the, the younger people in the industry are going to be the ones that end up carrying it forward. Um, and it's really important to respect their what their wants and needs are and make sure that we're, you know, as an industry, keeping up with the people in it and where they're going for their information and, uh, and just making it really easy and accessible and very transparent. And I think that's something that, especially with the really young generation, younger than myself, openness and transparency is, is kind of key to capturing their uh, trust. Um, and without that, they immediately throw up walls and they, they really do feel like it's kind of us or them. And so I think it's something that as an industry, we just really need to keep our thumb on and pay attention to. And so it's not really adding a lot to the conversation, but it just kind of reinforces, I think, um, where the FTA, in my opinion anyway, kind of needs to go in the future if we're going to make this industry last, um, you know, for 10 plus years. I think you did add stuff there, Brad. Thank you. Uh, Dan. Yeah, um, we all are very polite, friendly people, and we all really like to stay in the realm of positivity. And that's one of the things that's really great about us as a community and an industry. That said, I mean, I've been party to lots and lots of conversations with lots and lots of people over the years that I've been in this industry about frustrations with the FTA, with their output, with their transparency, with the personalities involved. And those conversations are not boiling up to the level of public awareness. And they're all happening on the sidelines. And there's a lot of dishonesty in the dialogue that we as a community have around the FTA because frustrations are not being publicly expressed. There's a reason the FTA does not have the support of this industry and this community. It's not happening um, by coincidence. 
this industry has money for a professional, accountable, transparent industry association. The money is there. The intent is there. This industry wants to have that organization to support and send its money to. And the money I'm talking about isn't $200 a year. As businesses, we could afford more like $1,000, $2,000 a year to have a professional, transparent, accountable industry association. The reality of what I've seen from FTA, and by the way, Glenn and Lee are on, are on this call, and I, and I, I just want to acknowledge that Glenn and Lee created this industry, and they created the FTA. They built the industry that we are all now benefiting from and is changing the world. So let me, let me throw that note in there as, as a positive element, and I absolutely recognize that. But the Float Tank Association is, it feels to me like it's operating in the late 1980s and it lacks the skills necessary to be a successful trade representative association in this digital age that we're in now. Um, and the skill sets on the team at FTA need to change. They need to get up to speed. They need to be contemporary. Um, we need a professional team of people. And that means paid people drawing salaries who are directly accountable for their output and the quality of their work and their accountability to the people who are employing them, which is float center owners. Um, I could probably go off on a lot of different angles and, and, and rants, but I don't believe that the FTA that we have today is really keeping up to speed with what we need um, as an industry. And I'm thinking ahead to when we're 2,000 float centers, 4,000 float centers, 5,000 float centers, being a volunteer-driven organization that responds to every request with, well, call me and I'll tell you what we know. That doesn't work in an industry with 5,000 float centers. It doesn't work now. Um, so that there needs to be some serious changes at a skill set level. And I think there needs to be some serious changes in the kind of persona of the FTA, which in my opinion, and this is not an exclusive opinion, this is something I have heard from, across, from multiple people across multiple conversations that FTA is very defensive when it's called out on stuff. It becomes aggressive when it's called out on stuff. It doesn't like to be accountable. And that is a serious problem when it's asking small businesses to give them money every year or every month. There has to be accountability and there has to be active listening skills to be a representative group. In order to represent the interests and needs of float centers, it needs to listen. And today I don't believe it does. And it, it, it can't represent us if it doesn't listen. And it needs to stop being defensive, it needs to start listening more and start recognizing that it doesn't have the skill set today to keep up with what's needed for this industry. So that's that's kind of my I, when I say all that, it's very raw, it's blunt. I, I know that, but I'm 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 kind of tired of sitting back and hearing the same conversation going over and over and over. And it's it, the situation doesn't seem to be changing with the people that are involved with the FTA right now, and there needs to be a different skill set and different people. If I could throw in my couple cents here, this is Colin. Um, I'll try to keep, sorry, Dylan, is that okay? You're, yeah, please Colin. And okay. thank you, Dan. Yeah, sure. Um, I just wanted 
a di slightly different perspective, I think. Um, I'm not trying to be positive or negative. I'm trying to figure out constructive, like what I need, what I need from a professional association right now is someone who can sh show up in a suit and talk to the Massachusetts Department of Public Health and have credibility and, and weight behind it which is to say like, that's what I need from a professional association because Massachusetts DPH is fucked up and they need, uh, we, we need to guide them through like a process of making floating possible around here. But anyway, what I, what I need and what I would be happy to pay for is a professional association that employed like, serious people who can talk to people in suits and sound serious. Um, and I don't know if that's the FTA. Like if the FTA wants to be a booster organization run by volunteers that that's, like maintains the traditions of the float community, that's fine. Maybe we need a different organization, but um, I don't want to say that what the FTA is doing is wrong. What the FTA is doing is great for what it is, but it's not the organization that I need. Um, and that's, that's the direction that I'm approaching it from. Um, so um, I don't know if that helps any as a perspective. I'm sure that there are a dozen other needs out there that various float centers have that a, a professional association could fill. Um, and we should just be thinking about like, where do we get those needs met? Is it the FTA or is it something else? Uh, and if it's something else, how do we do this? I think that's a great insight there, Colin. I, I thank you. I think um, part of what I want later in today's episode is talking about just that of like, what are the needs of the float community? What does the FTA do? And are those in alignment with each other? Um, that is absolutely, I think, very valuable. Um, so unless somebody urgently needs to share something else, um, I feel like there's been plenty of quality feedback from the float community. And I'd like to, first of all, thank uh, everybody repping the FTA tonight for receiving all of that. Uh, nobody fired back <laughs> or anything. I really appreciate that. There are some strong words, strong feedback, and everybody um, was receiving it very well. So I really appreciate that. And now you do have a chance to um, respond back. And I don't know which one of you wants to respond first, but please, I want to open the floor to the FTA and, um, and in response to some of this feedback or anything else you'd like to share. Well, um, thanks everybody for joining tonight and um, appreciate everybody's feedback. It's always good for us to know. Um, I guess let me just go down the list of things that I made a note of. So um, there's some conversation about transparency and communication. Um, I'm just wondering how many of you know that, um, uh, that we have a website and how many of you have been on it recently? Yeah, we all know. <laughs> We've been on there. Okay. So... We've recently updated the website. We've started the process of reviewing a lot of the um, 
the research studies that are out there, we decided that we didn't want to just blanket the site with with whatever research we could find. We wanted to take some time and and review each one of the research studies, make sure that it was useful information and make sure that it was information that the industry wanted to put forward. Um, we have uh, a Facebook site. Does, does, I'm, I guess what I'm wondering is we have social media, we have websites, but it seems like the majority of the people in the industry only refer to the Float Collective when they need information. I just wonder if any of you have been active on the FTA Facebook page and whether or not people are posting there because we don't we don't see a lot of traffic it seems to be deferred over to the collective site I mean what I'll share traffic would you like to see there that what was the, kind of in the middle of that sentence sorry I talked over Kim uh, what type of um, conversations would you like to be taking place on the FTA Facebook page well I think any any time that anyone has a subject that falls under our purview, that's a good place to do it. And if you need information directly from the FTA, that's a good place to do it. Um, the, it. It seems like people would like us to function primarily on the float collective. That may or may not be true, but it seems like that's kind of the go-to spot for people to get their information. I mean, I'm looking at the website now, and um, when I go to the button that says join the FTA, it takes me to a form that has my name, email, phone number, and a message. Um, it doesn't tell me about pricing. It doesn't tell me what the benefits of membership are, um, why I should join, what the process is, any of that sort of stuff. It's just fill out a form and somebody will call you. Um, and I think that is just a, a really encapsulated sample of some of those frustrations that people are, are experiencing that, yes, there's a website. Yes, there's a Facebook group. But just like somebody had said earlier, if you have a question, you know, we'll call you or call me. And, and that's just not the world that we're in anymore. We're busy. We're, you know, people have really, really jam-packed lives and um, having to go figure out on my own why I should join the FTA and what the benefits are and how much it's going to cost me and all of that sort of stuff. That's something that's just a pretty basic thing that could be on the website that could have an immediate impact. Um, and that's, that's just one little tiny thing. But I think that's also one of the reasons, you know, the Float Collective, there's so many people in there who are willing to share ideas, answer questions, help each other out, that in the spirit of community, that's just kind of a go-to, but I think it would be wonderful if we had additional resources on the website that we could share back in when somebody asks a question to be able to say the FTA has a great um, article on that on the website here. Go check that part out. Um, so I think it's a it's starting. Um, I know that this is you know an, an update to what was previously posted, but I think there's still some opportunity to grow and to bring the website and social media presence up to speed to what people are accustomed to at this stage. Kevin, do you have any response to that? Well, the there's a large conversation going on industry-wide as, as well within the FTA to determine exactly what the pricing for membership is. And so it's a little premature to post a bunch of information on the website that might not eventually be meaningful. So that 
part is a work in progress. And that's one of the reasons that we put up a contact form was so that we had an opportunity to talk to people who were interested in joining the FTA and get some feedback from them. Kevin, if I'm understanding the question you're asking, I think I would offer that um, an, an industry association should be engaging wherever the conversation is happening, right? If, if the conversation about floating is happening in the media, that's where an industry association should be engaging. If a conversation about floating is happening at a legislative level, that's where the FTA should be engaging. If there's conversation happening in Float Collective, that's where FTA should be engaging. So I think it's less about um, you know wanting people to come to FTA to ask questions, which is much more of a consultant role, and more about you know an industry association engaging where the dialogue is is already happening. Does that make sense? And does that kind of get to your your question? Yeah, it makes sense to me, Dan. Um, I'd invite you to review the history of the FTA's interactions on the Float Collective. Usually putting anything on the Float Collective from the FTA puts us in the line of fire of a lot of criticism and critique about the job that we may or may not be doing. We tend to get a lot more criticism than support. So it's not a particularly appealing situation to engage in voluntarily. Sure. And I realize I'm a source of that. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, that's, that's out there. We've, we've kind of talked about that openly. Um, but honestly, I, I, I think an industry association needs to have a thick skin and, and not, not take things personally. Um, you know, if there's critical feedback, it should be listened to and responded to. And I'm not saying you haven't been doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying you should probably expect that, particularly when it's in a, a private forum like Flow Collective is. I mean, the whole construct mm -hmm. of Flow Collective is that it's, industry only, it enables those difficult conversations. It enables to talk about the potentially scary stuff that we wouldn't want to be public. It enables like the really hard, hard boiled questions. I mean, that's part of the construct of it being a private group. So I'll just throw that out there too. Yeah, no, we, we, we have come to expect the kind of feedback that we get. And just to speak as somebody um, who has it. Oh, please go ahead. Who was that? Okay. Um, in okay. the part, it's Kaylin, um, as, as part of the proposal um, that I put in to Kim, just to let you know, there's a group out there that I have been interested in called eWomen's Network. And if you go to the, I think it's eWomenNetwork.com, I think. Um, but when you go to their join, join Now page, it's exactly the same thing as the FTA. It's, let's get to know who you are. And they wanted your name and you know, your contact information so that somebody can contact you via email or phone. To let you to find out what your interest is, is and how they can help you and then they I guess they determine the um, the membership by what tier you're interested in in and having I'm hoping that the and that's frustrating it was frustrating for me um, what especially since it's called the e-women network and it says you know their purpose is to have a million women make a million dollars through their business in a certain amount of time and it's a lofty goal, but it's like, well, that's great. How am I going to get there? And then they want to talk to you. So it's, you know, they, they have different things. I'm hoping that on the FTA website at some point, there is going to be, okay, this is tier one. This is tier two. This is tier three. This is for manufacturers. This is for center owners. These are for float aficionados. 
because everybody has different needs and should pay different prices depending upon what their needs are. I, I think that, you know, if you got into certifications and things like that, you may not want all the certifications, so don't pay for all the certifications. You know, trying to customize it so that it's, um, it's a, an organization that feeds your needs um, while not bleeding the, the resources from the people who are in the FTA for nothing. That, does that make sense? I think so. I'm going to go back just a little bit here to the social media aspect as somebody who has a business that's in some minor capacities uh, has a reflection of FTA in that we have a separate entity outside of the float collective. Our, our Facebook page is dead as well. Like there's very few clicks and responses on there. And almost no conversations actually take place on, on the uh, Art of the Float podcast Facebook page. And that doesn't hurt my feelings. That's just how it is. And, and I understand that interacting within the float collective itself is where I um, am able to um, have impact. And I think, you know, some sort of perceived value uh, occurs from that as well. Um, but there is perceived value. And that is where I really empathize with you guys and the fact that it is so tough to go like, I'm going to make this post and I know I'm just going to get a ton of negative feedback or people are going to poo poo on this sucks. Um, and it's kind of similar to, I think, something we're all very familiar with is you make a Facebook post or Twitter and Instagram and, and just nobody responds or like you ask a question like, what's what's your greatest float experience or Zen moment or what have you? And it's just crickets out there. And it's like, oh, God, I just I look bad. Nothing's happening. Um, and, and I think most of us have learned that there's a certain amount of repetition that needs to occur to start getting that ball rolling. But I'm digressing in that you aren't even just hearing crickets, you're actively hearing negative responses back. And that's, that is very difficult. Uh, but I also think there's a, a gem of knowledge in that, um, in that why is that negative perception happening? And that's basically why we're here tonight, right? Is like, let's break this open, let's analyze it and go, how come every time we post, just we just get all this flack shot back at us? What, why is that? What is the disconnect between all the effort that we're putting in behind the scenes versus why the float community in general um, has this negative perception. And then, you know, how can that be bridged or guided in the future to, to become something positive? Kevin, I seemed like you wanted to say something while I was talking. <laughs> well, or okay, you just so, want me to stop talking. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I was into what you were saying then. Um, so from our perspective, we're, we don't mind the criticism and the critique and the feedback that we get when it's warranted, but there's also times when we share victories on the Float Collective and some of the loudest voices on that social media page have the time to write short novels when they're in criticism mode. But when we share a victory, hey, we got this correction in the printed in the Dallas news for the misinformation that they gave in a recent story, or we contacted a state legislator about some uh, legislation that's forthcoming. Uh, the voices that are the loudest and have the time to write the novelette don't have time to do the very minimum requirement to support the FTA, which would be push the like button. And so the conversation gets to be very redundant in that we hear a lot of the criticism, we don't ever see the industry taking the opportunity to voice its support for the victories that we do share 
Yeah, I've, I've seen this with other businesses that have had uh, develop this negative perception from the community. And even when there is positivity, it's really hard to acknowledge that and for people to really thumbs up it or like it um, when there's this overall stigma going on. Um, I definitely recognize that. Dan, did you want to share something? Well, I, I guess I just want to agree with your point, Kevin, that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the most vocal voices in there. I think we all know that that's not an elephant in the room exactly. Um, and I think I think it's totally valid. I think it is sort of the nature of being an internet-based thing that it's it's easier to gripe about things and it is to take time to to uh, congratulate and and uh, acknowledge things. So, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm just acknowledging what you're saying, and I'll I'll take that for my part. And I'm certainly not the only critical voice. So I just yeah. want to kind of set that as a context too. Um, you know, I'll take that as feedback from me to definitely embrace times to be positive as well. I mean, I think there's certain people that have a big voice in the industry, and I think it is more balanced and fair for those voices to also uh, give credit when credit is due sometimes. I think that's just as important as weighing in on your with your criticisms and critiques. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. What, I'm, what I think I hear is that if and the FTA was a professional organization that was very competent and doing everything right, then it would be supported. Um, are people saying, going like I, this? Heads are nodding. Absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the question I have is, how many of you started businesses uh, with, without any investment and you were really professional at doing it. And if so, then you can help FTA um, learn how to become a, an organization that has $100,000 in the bank and is doing professional stuff. Yeah, how, I, how, how we can get from where we are of practically no money, uh, maybe, I don't know, under 10,000, to hiring $100,000 people and so on, or whatever you're thinking it might cost. We, we have two people who are giving unbelievably of their time, Kevin and Shoshana, and almost totally they don't get paid. And I don't know what you're thinking when it when you have not bothered to tell us how we can get from here to there. I I don't know how to get from here to there. If you do, please be my guest and jump in. So can you hear me now? Yes, yep. please. So I just want to uh, backtrack so I don't forget, Colin. You uh, were having problems with the with your Department of Health or permitting or, um, and you didn't come to us. That's when usual, that's when at the very last moment, unfortunately people don't start at the beginning and understand that most of the people in the FTA have had float centers, have worked internationally, worked with hundreds or thousands of people. 
and we know how to do things. We're not charging you money for that. We're, we're giving of our time and we don't want you to have to repair the tile in your shower or have floods in your uh, building or, or tell the health department off because you're upset and they close you down. I mean, there are certain steps to take. There's certain ways that we can help. And usually at the last minute, that's when the phone rings. That's when somebody has the time because they know we're going to step in and we're gonna take care of the job. And we have uh, health department officials all over that support and follow what we say. So I'm sorry that you're not aware of that, but, and posting about it on social media after a full day of being on the phone and, and working out these problems for other people, you know, uh, yeah, we don't get around to it. And, and it makes me upset too. I'm upset with myself that I don't have extra, uh, you know, energy to get on social media and just like go through everything that goes down in a day. And yeah. about transparency, there's no money. We're, we're not, we, there, we don't have members because of all the griping, all the time that goes into putting us down instead of rolling up your sleeves and coming in and supporting us, being a community of people, being the float industry together. You know, we're not trying to be better. We're trying to be together. So I think Shoshana and, and Glenn have brought up really, really important ideas, which is we are kind of in this chicken or the egg situation here. So we all want this grandiose uh almost business-oriented organization, maybe not business-oriented isn't the right description, but that there are salaried employees, that there is real clear metrics on what's happening. But at the same time, we're dealing with a, a very small number of people who have a very, very small amount of time because we're all incredibly busy. And I think on that end, we completely empathize. But at the same time, we have needs that we need from this organization. Um, so I want to talk about Kind of, kind of two things. One is the really key part of what Glenn brought up, which is none of us started a business without investment. I don't think anybody raised their hand that they started a successful, completely polished business with no money. We all started with a certain amount of cash to get going. Um, that is not a luxury that the FTA has. So I want to talk about how to get that ball rolling to um, show the FTA is a value and that would be matched by donations coming in. How does that actually happen? Um, does anybody have any ideas for that specifically? Uh, Jeremy, go ahead. I think that, um, can you all hear me okay? Okay. Um, the, uh, I apologize, I was running a float center here, so I was in and out, but, um, and I'm, I may have missed part of the conversation, but um, when I, I think about some of the issues that I've heard around the FTA and some of the, problems with fixing those issues is that I look at it as a company and we all run businesses and that goes back to there, there needs to be somebody that is in control. That's the, the CEO or whatever else that is going to make things happen that need to happen. And I, I started a float center and, and I did have some money, but at the same time I took out loans and we all made a leap of faith there's not many people here that just started a float center with just cash out of their pocket. You, you go into business and you, you do everything you can to do a great job. You listen to your customers and you provide the services that they want, that they need so that you know that the cash flow is coming in so that you can 
continue that process and you can feed back into your business. So I think part of the disconnect is that um, I'm hearing from the FTA that we, you know, we don't have the money to invest in professional people or full-time people to, to do the things that we need done. But at the same time, uh, I think last I heard there was 40, 45 members. Um, if, if there was somebody that was fully invested in that, that leadership role and leadership encompasses a lot of different things. And part of that is your, your appearance to the industry, uh, the communication, all the things we're talking about, but it starts from there. And then they, they bring everyone in so that we can support the industry. And then we might might have to make a leap of faith of hiring somebody and, and doing those type of things. But it's, it's got to start with leadership. And I think that's where, um, and communication is a huge part of leadership. Um, and so I think that that is part of where there's a, a disconnect. Kevin, you wanted to respond? Yeah. Um, thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate that. Um, just to get everybody on the same page, the board of directors for the FTA is eight members. Those are eight members that have to run businesses, they have families to feed, they have obligations outside of the floating world. And the consensus seems to be from the industry that we should deliver things like paid positions, accountability to the rest of the industry, uh, greater skill set within the FTA, professional representation. We have a very limited amount of resources to work with. And we're constantly doing this juggling game where we're trying to figure out where to allocate those resources. What, where's, where's the best use of our time and the little bit of money that we have? And the conversation that's been perpetuated across the industry is that the FTA should deliver first and then get paid. So I just wanna ask a general question here. Are we expecting, is the industry expecting that, that the FTA board would do something like hire a person, make a commitment to them to pay them a salary when we don't have that money in the bank to cover that salary? Are we suggesting that I would put up my own money to guarantee that person's salary for some period of time until that person created a situation where the FTA suddenly became a, a viable entity in the industry and then everybody's just going to jump on board and start paying memberships. It's kind of a lot to ask. I, I have a long list in front of me of the different projects that the FTA is engaged in now. And one of the things that we're constantly debating amongst us is where do we put the precious few resources that we have? Shall we continue to have conversations with the NSF and the CMAC and the state legislatures? Should we continue to fight on behalf of the uh, float center owners that need our help? Should we continue to look into research projects? Should we, can, should we move our attention over and become active on social media? Like as people, we have limited amount of time and energy that we can volunteer to an industry. Now, last year's float conference, I stood up in a meeting and I told people that what, what the FTA needs most is the money to hire an attorney and a lobbyist. 
because our industry is growing to the point where we can't just send out Joe and Susan from Joe and Susan's float center. Just like Colin is saying, we need professional representation. So who pays for that? Lawyers are 350 an hour. I don't even know how much a lobbyist would cost. But it seems to us like the industry is asking us to commit not only our time and our effort, but now also put our money into it. I paid out several thousand dollars out of my own pocket last year to get legal advice when we were in the process of negotiating the CMAQ document with the CDC because the association has no money to hire a lawyer to give us advice. So when you talk about the chicken and the egg scenario, realize that what you're asking us to do is to take time away from our businesses that feed our families, time away from our families in order to give you more when the only conversation that we hear is do it first, then we'll support you. How, how many people are on the board? Eight. So can one person take notes from your meetings and post that either on the website or to the Facebook page? We have recordings of every meeting. But can somebody take meeting notes? We, we had that at certain times. At mm -hmm. the moment, we don't have a secretary. Okay. I think, I mean, personally, I think, I mean, people have talked about transparency. That seems like low-hanging fruit of just what is happening in the meetings. Because you, like people Kevin is talking. People can come to the meeting. I mean, that's true, but we're all. You can listen to the audio anytime you want. How do we know when the meetings are? They, they've been every, every Thursday for a, approximately a year. Now we're on every two weeks. I mean, part of me feels like when you say that, it's, it's not hearing my needs, which is um, I'm, I'm probably not going to listen to that audio, but I will read a paragraph or two or you know, bullet points of what was discussed. Um, that's, that's how I'm going to consume that information. But that might not be true for Jeremy or Colin. Maybe they do want to listen to it. Like a podcast is great for a lot of people. They want the long form. Other people aren't going to listen to my show. They want it in a text form or in a bite-sized form. And that's for somebody else. But if, if they can, if all these needs can be met, that's great. Yeah, With we eight can do that. on the board, it feels like one person can and should already be taking notes. And that could be presented to the public. Um, yeah, we can yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah, so I agree wholeheartedly that at some point we need to get some folks who are paid professionally to do this. But I think we're at the point right now where there have been a lot of people who have volunteered their time to help in different things. I would love to see, you know, and ask. Yeah, exactly. Jeremy, you know, I, I've done the same. I volunteered my time and never heard anything at all as a response. And I don't think that Jeremy and I are alone in that. There are people who want to help, who want to get involved who are eager, who have the skills that you need. I run you know, a consulting agency and do training, marketing, and communications. That's my expertise and that's what I have to offer and have offered. But we have so many people who are in the Float Collective who are brilliant at different things, who all you have to do is throw something out there and say, hey, we need somebody who can help us to do X, Y, and Z who can listen to the recording of the meeting from this week and jot down the, the, the notes. There are tons of people who are dying to help. And I think this is the opportunity that you have to leverage those folks who are volunteering their time to help the, the association. And in doing that, you're bringing the group together. You're creating a much more professional, polished appearance. You're helping to overcome a lot of those challenges and that negative perception that's out there because 
not everybody feels that way. You know, there are definitely a lot of opinions. There are some issues, but there's a whole lot of hope that's out there. And you have a chance to let people be a part of that and to then start to kind of overcome all of that, that negative perception by letting the people come in, you know, get involved. And then once people are involved, the whole organization starts to improve. And then eventually we can get to the place where people are willing to, you know, maybe we have enough um, dues coming in that people are uh, able to be paid for some of those contributions. But there's so much available now that people want to help. So I, it breaks my heart to hear you all say that, you know, people will just want to take, take, take and take. And I just don't think that's the case. I think people are asking to be involved. A great, a great part of our time. If you're uh, unmuted, please mute your microphone. Glenn, you're go ahead. <laughs> uh, a great percent of the time that we've been working in the FTA in the last three or four years, there we have been dealing with two issues that from my point of view have been, have contributed at, at least a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of value to the industry at least a couple hundred thousand dollars. And the, the board has met on a weekly basis to try to get ahead of these two main problems. And we, I'm sorry that you think that we, that we needed to have been doing something other than what we were doing that these were not sufficiently important or that you're convinced that if we had been better leaders, we could have uh, uh, done the, you know, done it more appropriately. But regrettably, we were focused on NSF and CDC and we were, we felt consumed by them and we felt they were critical. And whether people got communicated to or what, we had no choice but to do what we felt was the most important thing. And I'm sorry that we have not had the resources, the people and money to do both. And I agree totally that we should, have, should make ourselves transparent and communicate and all of that. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think you have very valid points. It's just we have not found a way of doing it all. And recording what we did so all of you could read all about it because it saves everybody there with it for their center. And, and I guess I don't hear anybody understanding that the FTA has given a gift of a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of value in the last four years to the industry. So, so quickly, what we were fighting for a year and a half is basically in the end comes down to potentially uh, being a $9,000 uh, UV or ozone with a sensor 
that, that the CDC wants to mandate for every float room, okay, float center room. So that's, in our modest belief, we didn't want, whether you had one tank or five tanks or three tanks, that amount of money, let's just say 10,000 per room, would put a lot of people out of business. And so we didn't want that. So we put all our time and energy. And before that, for two and a half years, fighting with NSF or defending you for, with NSF so they would certify, want to certify every manufacturer, $40,000. Uh, every two years have to go through the process again. If you change anything, have to go through that process. And they also wanted to create certification for float center. So we created an educational process with the NSF and the CDC and the CMAC and health departments that now is pointed towards our float standard. Still, we can't get an agreement um, and we're not telling you what to do, but we recommend certain protocols. And yes, Kim, I wanna use your expertise. I wanna get it, get it out so people understand what they can do to keep their solution clean. Because everything that, anything anybody does in this small cottage industry, which is floating, 500 centers in the world, you know, come on. It could just go boom and, and, and have a hard time if anybody does the wrong thing. And we're concerned with that. That's what we work on. We debate, analyze, and, and yes, we have to get better. And the third item is that we have uh, come together and collected information on how to have a clean, safe solution. That's at least worth a hundred thousand or more. And if we had not been doing this, you can't imagine what you might have to be putting up with right now. Can I can I respond with something? Can I actually respond to you, Glenn and Kevin and Shoshana? If I had spent hundreds of hours of my personal time working on these issues, taking time from my families, from, from my family, from my businesses to do this, and then I was receiving a bunch of criticism about that and people in the industry were just kicking me in the nuts over all the things that I haven't done right, I would be hurt. I would be really frustrated. I'd be angry. And I'd probably be pretty defensive. And that's what we're seeing. And that is a function of it being a volunteer-driven organization. If I was an employee and I was being paid for my time and I was drawing a salary and I was receiving critical feedback from my manager or managers, if you think of it as having like 700 managers, I would be forced to look at that and say, oh, I'm underperforming in my job according to the feedback from my manager. Okay, I have to change what I'm doing. I, I would like to move away from this dialogue around, yeah, I've put all this time and volunteered all these hours and I've spent all this time away from my family, my business is doing all this stuff. The stuff that we in the community know, that we, that we hear about that's being done behind the scenes, everybody appreciates and values. But this, the dialogue around the volunteer structure needs to change. We, we can't move forward as an industry to the growth that we really think it's going to get to with a team of volunteers. It's just, it's Excuse not practical. Me, Excuse me. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Trisha. Um, one of the first uh, questions uh, put out today was, 
what's going on with the FTA? What, what have we done? So uh, yes, we're passionate about what we've accomplished. Even if you're not a member, like most of the people who complain the most aren't members. So we, we feel um, rather put out and we're gonna, con we're, we'll probably continue. We'll grow because we're committed. And we hope we can grow together though. I, we hope you, instead of having to criticize, you can put your skill sets into assisting us. Um, we're all in this together. And if we're not, it's not gonna work. So Sean, I'm not gonna begin to break down all the different ways that my time is used. I'm just gonna say, I don't have the time, I don't have the capacity to volunteer for it. And it's not a job that I want, but there is someone who wants it as a job and wants a salary for that job and will be accountable to the capacity of their position. Then there's somebody who can, wants that job. Then you can uh, put the money in so we can, we can uh, pay that person. Sure, if you come up with a job description and a plan and a budget, that money will be there and I will support you and I will rally whatever troops I can rally to support that effort. But that's what's needed here is a plan, it's some communication, a budget, and an actual position description saying, yeah, FTA wants to hire this person. Here's what they're going to do. Here's how much it's going to cost. We need this money from the community in order for this to happen. Without the money, it doesn't happen. And I, and I think something else that might be missing is an alignment of goals. Um, I don't know that... Um, like Kevin, you're talking about having a list of things that the FTA does. I first don't know that the whole community knows what those things are. Um, and the other thing is, I don't know if they're in alignment with what the rest of the community feels the FTA should be putting their energy into. Um, can we just take a few minutes to go down the list of things that, um, and, and Glenn brought up a few of the things already, but a list of the items that are of top priority to the FTA. Um, and then I'd be curious to know if that just the people in this meeting tonight also agree with those things so that um, even in a volunteer basis of how we're doing things, you know, is energy going into things that we consider valuable? Well, we're working on a um, creating a documentation or collecting data on adverse events, one. Um, so I'm sorry, is this a listing of your most, your highest priority where most no, of your- No, I'm just giving you uh, what I'm reading, uh, what we've been working on and what, um, we're trying to uh, create a waiver form that is more effective and actually um, represents our, our beliefs and is, a, and is a legal document that then it can be shared amongst the float centers that's one thing any any feedback on that i'll, I'll just well, say these are the kinds of things that people would love to know and going back to the it is a thankless job but part of the reason it's a thankless job is because people don't know what to thank you for so i think if you get that out there and say we're working on this really awesome waiver people are going to just lavish the praise and you'll get that kind of feedback that you need from people it's it is chicken and the egg but in this case, I think you got to tell people, and I think so, this people will be really excited to hear some of that. We're working with with the float center in uh, in Washington D.C. the the lawyer involved with the float center in Washington D.C. But, but Shoshana, I think what Kim is saying is different than your response. She's saying not specifically about the situation, but what she's saying is in general, we want to know what is happening. And then your right. answer was, "This is the specific thing that's happening." Like outside of this podcast. 
what she's saying is she wants to know the things that the FTA is doing, where the energy is put in, the developments oh, that are happening. Oh, I was starting. Okay. Then please <laughs> continue. Dylan. Okay, I apologize. Um, no problem. And um, we we were um, involved with the the um, situations that were happening in the last month, the events that came down, and um, working working on uh, creating uh, staff procedures that can, um, better, better deal with, with events that, that, that transpire staffing issues. Um, we're, we're focused on a certification process and we're focused on research, putting together a proposal, um, investigating an IRB, working on collaborations and working with universities, uh, funding and getting advice. So that's what we've been up to in the last month. May I say something? Sure, and then I'd like Colin to have a chance. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I'm wondering if, if we put together a, uh, a list, like what we're doing right now, of all the things that you get um, what, what happens with the FTA? This is what happens when you, this is what the FTA is up to, up to. We need your support. This is what you're going to get by being a member. Please join. And we need your support in order to continue to do that work because we cannot continue to do it for free. We want to hire somebody full time to help as an administrator and get all these things done. And we can get the support of the Float Collective, of Art of the Float, of um, Float Tank Solutions, of the people who have created themselves to be the leaders of our industry and say, y'all need to become members so that we can get this stuff done and be a real organization. That would really help. Without, you know, pooping on it first and then saying, well, show us the money. And we're trying to say, we're trying to, but we don't have the resources and we need the money to get the resources. So we need to work with the together on this. It's not going to be a chicken or an egg. It's going to be a chicken and an egg. Go ahead, Colin. Thank you, Kaylin. Um, I want to like everything I have heard that the FTA is doing, I tend to agree. Oh, yes, we need them to do that. We need a lot more of that. We need as much of that as possible. I love everything that I know of that the FTA does. The trouble is how little of what's going on that I actually know what you're doing. Um, I don't have time to be, to spend a couple hours every week on a conference call. Um, but the point is, I feel like we need an association that can uh, walk and chew gum. And we need the, the lobbying and the talking to experts and the getting decent regulations run to keep happening. And we also need the communication to happen so that people know what's going on. Like, I think there are a lot of float centers out there that have no idea about any of the NSF stuff. And like, 
everybody has a different communication style. Um, some of us want to go to the website and see a list of like, this is what the FDA is doing. Some people are just going to read the float collective. Some people are only going to follow art of the float. Some people are just running their centers and will get like a newsletter once a year if you send it to them in the mail. Um, and I think a professional association needs to recognize that you have to go out to where your clients are and, and meet them where they need to be. Um, and that's, that's like, that's a professional skill. That's, that's public relations. That's marketing communication. People have careers doing that. I want our incredible experts like the Perry's, like Shoshana, like Kevin Johnson doing float stuff because that's what you guys are the best in the world at. Um, and I think we need a plan for how to get the other professional stuff done. Um, people need to be hired. There needs to be a budget. Kevin, you were talking about like, wh what do we think we you should prioritize spending your money on? That, I, I listened to that question. I'm like, I don't know because I don't even know how much money you have. I don't know what projects you're spending it on. There is no published budget. Um, I'm not sure if I am actually an FTA member right now. I know I have been in the past, but the FTA is not organized enough about fundraising to have ever sent me a renewal notice. So I'm not sure if I'm expired or up to date or, or not. And I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm saying that as a practical, like, that's just reality. Like, we're all busy. If we don't get a reminder to renew, then, then we need, you know. So there needs, I, I personally believe that the FTA needs a plan to hire like at least a marketing person or at least a communications person and a fundraising person, maybe starting part-time. We need to figure out what the budget is for that. I don't know offhand. Once we know what the budget is, then we figure out how to pay for it. Like I personally am happy to put up a couple of thousand dollars a year to get the stuff that I know that Lee and Glenn and Shoshana and you are doing with the NSF and with, CDC and with all of that, the problems I'm having in Massachusetts are of exactly the same thing. They're Massachusetts DPH trying to write its own regulations in some insane cowboy fashion. And if we had like professional national level regulations that we could, could say, yes, those are what we should do, that would help me enormously. I'm willing to put money into that. I know how much it costs. I spent $3,000 on lawyers myself last year fighting Massachusetts to keep our regulations from being like they wanted to make us throw away our float solution every 14 days. Mm -hmm. um, I hired the lawyers. I wrote the letter. I got Kevin as part of FTA to sign on behalf of the Float Tank Association. And that was great. And I super appreciate that. Um, but I think that we need more than that. And we need a plan for how to get there. I don't have the visibility to say what that plan is because I don't know how much money we have. I don't know what revenue there is. I don't know what it's currently being spent on. It would be nice as a person paying into the FDA to know where my money goes. Kevin, like Glenn said, we have under $10,000 and we don't spend the money. 
But what he's saying is that he, overall he has never known, not just tonight, but like the, the community doesn't know. Kevin, did you want to say something? I, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, yeah. Colin. So, and you're not uh, a member. I I hear uh, I hear what everybody's saying, and I'm also aware of our time tonight. So, um, I, I wanted to uh, do two things before we run out of time. One is to kind of explain about the way the FTA organizes our workload, and how we prioritize that workload just because what everybody's saying here is transparency and communication. And I feel like I would be remiss if we let this thing go by without a, a, a pretty thorough accounting of, of what's going on. So just real quickly, just so everybody understands, like we, we sort of uh, group our tasks in, in a few different categories. So the primary ones have to do with um, regulations, standards and uh, legislative processes. So anytime we're talking about the NSF, the CDC, uh, the, the, the NSF is rearing their head again. They took advantage of recent events to um, reassert themselves in our industry. So we'll be re-engaging with them in the next week, few weeks, I'm sure. Uh, there's some other regulatory agencies like the WQA and a few others that have been poking around. And then of course, we just learned that we have some cleanup work to do because individuals in the industry have been out and communicating to different municipalities and we, we need to learn what they communicated and what they pointed to as, as uh, the industry standards and things like that. So that's now on our radar for um, a little something to address and clean up. Um, as far as the other categories go, we're, we're interested in doing research. There's some complexities about gathering money for research. So we're looking into setting up the kind of nonprofit organizations that can actually receive donations. There's some issues with um, independent review boards that oversee the safety of any research project that we take up. We're in the process of um, trying to contact different colleges and universities that have their own IRBs because those are less expensive. We also need some research associates. So the, the Float Tank Association has reached out to uh, a couple of doctors and specialists and research scientists that we know of to start get the ball rolling in that respect. Um, we're continuing to do um, uh, the certification process. We're looking into a third party company that will help us set up testing and certification protocols so that we can offer certification to float centers and to float tank manufacturers. So those three categories are, are our biggest concerns. And then whatever resources that we have left in terms of time and money, we, we look at things like membership drives and fundraising and things like that. That's a quick overview of what we've got going on, but I didn't wanna let this go by without a real organized um, look at that. I, I, I did wanna go back and address something that Kim was talking about earlier, because. Um, I, I think she had some really good suggestions about um, using the, the help that is offered to us by the industry, the people that are willing to volunteer their, their time and their talents and their skills to help us with our process. And that, of course, is excellent. Um, so I've, I've been speaking to Jeremy about um, he's had some ideas about doing membership and fundraising. And in the process of talking to him, I realized that there was something that 
that the industry can do to help us when, when people want to volunteer their time and their talents to help the FTA, what would really help us is if you would take the time to write up a proposal and actually say, this is who I am. These are the skills that I have. This is how I think I can help you. This is how to get in touch with me to follow up. Because in the past, we've used up a lot of time and resources chasing down people that had really good intentions. They volunteered their time and their talents to us at the float conference or uh, workshops and things like that. And then we spent a lot of time and energy chasing them down, try, trying to get them to come on board and help. But it's one thing to offer help in the beautiful Kumbaya setting of a float conference. And it's quite another thing to deliver that help once you're back into your everyday life, you got your family to feed and your business to run. And so to help us sort of with that sorting process and that vetting process, if you're really interested in helping, take the time to, to write a proposal for us. This is who I am. This is what I can do. This is how I can be reached. Those are the people that we're going to take seriously. Those are the people that we're going to follow up with. Can I ask for you to, even though you're extended out this far, to go win inch further? And I know web development is not easy, but have a form. So there's like membership and become a volunteer, submit that. And then you have an automatic file of people who have wanted to volunteer and their skill yes. sets. That's a great idea, Dylan. I, I, I actually have been taking care of this website. So I'll um, put that form up there tonight or tomorrow. Got it. Oh, man. Then I'm just going to go and circle back. I didn't know you were the one in charge of the website. Um, web development takes for freaking ever. And our website was over a year in the making. And when uh, this is a, a revision, when we finally put it out there, it was like, oh, my God, this looks like it's 10 years old. And everybody else's looked so brand new. Um, so any critical feedback on the website, I just want you to know that I feel your pain on that. Um, <laughs> But uh, is it possible, can I ask, just for some, some like measurable outcomes from this meeting, can I, um, and I would want uh, everybody else to, uh, to agree with this, both FTA and the rest of the community, can we have um, two things? One, meeting notes that are posted somewhere easily accessible. Uh, and two, um, and I think this is possibly a bigger ask, logged work time. So when somebody is doing something, whether you're in an NSF meeting or you're consulting with a client for, for in representation of the FTA, that that's logged so that we can actually see uh, where energy is being put into in the FTA. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a note of that. It's a good idea. It does, in there already. does the float community agree with that? I mean, does that sound like a waste of time? If you disagree, how about speak up? Where would you want that? That's a good question. Um, I think we haven't really gotten to the core of like how communications should come out. If it's easiest for you to post on the website or on the uh, social media page, um, it would be nice for there be a, a place where you can look back on the history and, and break it down as opposed to, I think it might not be the best place for it only to live on a social media site personally. I mean, like on Facebook, um, wouldn't make a ton of sense uh, for me, but um, as far as logged hours, that seems like something documented on a website it makes a lot more sense or like a shared Google Drive, something like that. Um, I mean, we've talked about transparency a ton and, and intermixed with communication. If um, even if it was monthly, actually, perhaps monthly would be even better than biweekly um, notes of what's been going on of just uh, an email blast, social media posts that say, this is what's going on. If people don't want to open the email, that's fine. If they don't want to click like or, or 
even read it, that's fine. But you can't say the FTA isn't communicating because it's getting out there. My bet would be that if it consistently does get out there, um, more and more people will be aware of it. More people will be reading it. It And if nothing else, just the overall standing of the F FTA will go up. People, the perceived value by the community will grow based off of that. Um, assuming that the, all this work is being done. And when you guys talk, I go, oh my God, there is so much that you guys are doing. Uh, it, it's impressive, but um, most people don't know that. And sometimes I get a little confused, I think because of the podcast and everything. Um, I have behind the scenes conversations and I get a little confused on what the rest of the community knows and what they don't. But um, my guess is like a lot of the work that you put in uh, particularly, well, in, in every category is not understood by the community. And just with these meeting notes as a real basic first step, I think would be awesome. Um, does that sound like something that could be done? That's totally doable. What I'm going to propose please, at the next board meeting is that whether we do anything else or not, we communicate, even if it's well, we're communicating, so now you know what we're doing. We're communicating. Yeah. And number and, two, oh, we uh, start working on a plan. And we put all of the other things that were mentioned further down on the list so that we work on a way to move ourselves up to another uh, level. And if catastrophic things happen, they happen, but at least we're doing what the industry most wants us to do. So that's what I'm gonna propose. Okay, and a part of me when I hear that is saying like, we're gonna stop everything to focus on this. When Jeremy said, chew gum and walk at the same time, the image that came to my mind was- He can, he can come here and show us how. Well, <laughs> what came to my mind was was slowing the walk and chewing gum at the same time. So if, if communication is the chewing the gum and you guys have been running, then I think, and maybe the rest of the community can disagree or agree with me, but we'd be okay with slower running, slowing that down if it means that you can chew the gum at the same time. And I think if people know that you're working on these big, huge things, they get it, but they don't know that you're working on them. And so it's this frustration over something that, you know, you're doing great work. Tell people we're doing great work. We're putting everything else on hold right now until we get this finished. I think people would really understand that. It's we really hard to, to show appreciation for things, things we don't know about. Been rather, this last month has been rather uh, unusual. Mm -hmm. You all have to admit. Yes, definitely agree with that. Um, we are definitely getting short on time. In fact, we're over time at the moment. I do want to broach one more thing before we close out, though. If anybody needs to sign off, that's completely okay. I want to talk about the idea of having a paid employee and what it takes to get the FTA to that level where um, people are able to, or, or, excuse me, willing to pay their dues, able to pay their dues, and um, feel like it's justified. Like, how, how does the FTA justify it to the public, and how does the public feel like they should be putting in their money? How does the FTA start working towards that point? Does anybody have any ideas? Are there metrics? Are there goals that they should be hitting? Is it simply transparency? All of a sudden we'll be like, oh yeah, the FTA is doing so much, take my money. Or does it not work that way? Any ideas? Colin? I mean, the way I would approach it, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm at a first guess, what I would like to see is like a plan of like, if we had $100,000, this is what we would do with it. And then we do crowd 
And if the community can come through and say, yes, this is a good plan and we put the money behind it, then we do it. And if the community is not, does not think that that plan is worth that amount of money, then it doesn't happen and we don't raise the money. But, you know, it's, there, there are ways to do this. I, it's, uh, so one of the things that we're always concerned about is, is committing money in the hopes that the industry will rally behind the effort. Um, we've come to the industry on several different occasions um, to ask for money and support so we could do something as simple and pragmatic as hire a lawyer and a lobbyist to fight some of these legislative battles for us. Like that's the plan. The, the plan is take the money, hire a lawyer. And the industry was absolutely absent from that effort. And so what we've, we've been trained over time to think that the industry is willing to take what we do and not pay for it. And once we're successful at it, they'll go, hey, they did it without my money. They must not need my money. That, that's our fear. And for what we, it's worth, I never heard that asked. Just one and, person here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I did not either. Yeah, how, Kevin, how was that communicated? How was what communicated? The, the call for the industry to the fund, fund, fund a lawyer. Well, we tried to have the conversation during the meeting, the workshop, the FTA workshop at last year's float conference in Portland. Okay. But as soon as we said we need money to fund this effort, then the conversation quickly turned to everybody yelling each over each other to weigh in on their criticisms and how they weren't willing to give us money because we're not effective and we don't have transparency and all, all the concerns that the, that the industry has. But sure. The conversation but quickly gets moved to other subjects. How many if people were in that room at the time? Right. Probably about 50 or 60. Okay, how many people are in this industry? We have over 700 float centers on our Google map currently. And mm -hmm. any message that we're getting out there to people requires layers. It requires repetition. It requires, you know, posting it in a newsletter, on social media, in person, on your website. We, we, every time. we did. Yeah. We did newsletters. We did a survey. We did newsletters. We were, it was when we were working uh, very intimately with the, the Council for Model Aquatic Health Code. So we, we made it very clear. And I had also made it clear the year before at the float conference. See, the fact that nobody, so nobody who isn't FTA who is on this call right now knew about that, that didn't register with us. There's obviously a problem with communications there. And an industry association is nothing if not a communications group. Communications is the primary skill set of an industry association. We ask you, we ask the float collective to be the that. bullhorn. That's why we had a meeting with you prior to the conference last year. What we invited you to do is use the platform, Shoshana. That's not what we agreed on. We agreed that we would say what we needed and that you would talk about it. I want to focus on what the FTA is going to do. I know there's been rocky yeah. communications in the past. I know that. Uh, everybody knows that. What we're talking about is what we're going to build. And what I want to focus on is how we get a paid employee. Now, Kevin, you mentioned people started, you asked for money and everybody said, but there's no transparency. There are these other issues. Well, maybe we need to plug those holes first and then we ask for money. And that needs to be done in a scalable way that's done with minimal volunteers. Although potentially based off this communication, we can have more volunteers, but maybe there needs to be 
um, certain certain um, metrics is the right word, but certain things that need to be accomplished before the ask can happen. Because right now the feeling isn't good with the community, right? Like, and I'm not, I'm saying outside of this, this group right here, the, the feeling is not great. There's not a lot of knowledge of what's going on with the FTA, what they're accomplishing, the large amount of work that's being done. So how um, do we get to the point where uh, that's being communicated out there, that the persona changes, and then that ask can happen? Because I really liked, I think it was Colin's idea of, hey, we have a very specific goal. This is what we want to do. And Kevin, you, you've already done this. We have this very specific goal. We need X amount of money. How do we get there? But how much money does the FTA have? Like these things, like this is what we're dealing with. This is where we want to put 80% of our revenue this year into. You know, Does the community agree with that? Or this is what we've decided even, as opposed to do you agree? Just we don't know where it's going at all. Um, Okay, well, well, so Dylan, let me let me ask you, Please. how much money does the FTA have right now? $10,000. Okay, so at least we heard that. The tonight, right? yes, yes. And, and, and that we're not spending it. Yes. But Kevin, that needs to be published somewhere. Someone shouldn't have to listen to two hours of a podcast to get that information. Uh, and I, I, think, I think the other problem is then why am I paying my dues if it's not being spent? Like it should be invested. Because it's not enough money to do anything with. And and that's something else that can be communicated. What I hear from what I hear from the industry still, even after all this conversation, mm-hmm. is do what we need, do what we want, fill all the holes, give us mm-hmm. everything that we want, and then we'll support you. And it's up to this group to get on board. We are in this together. And it's up to this group to support the FTA or not. Maybe you decide you don't want to support it and you continue having the kind of public conversations that dominate the 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 this conversation right now of criticism and critique and and no support like maybe that's what the industry really wants and needs right but Kevin, i think we're way closer to being on the same page than you think i think again when you guys when kevin and shoshana you guys talk about the work that you're doing i'm nodding my head i'm going oh hot damn yes that's great um and I think something the community keeps saying is we need the communication about it because I feel like you guys are on a mission, but it's a stealth mission. And while it's really important, we don't know about it. And so we just need to know. I, I think I think we're closer than you might believe. Like, again, as, as soon as you guys start listing out the monumental things that you guys are doing, the industry changing things that you are part of, the perceived value goes up in my mind. That being said, Shoshana dropped a bunch of bombs on me last time of all the things the FTA does, these awesome things. And I've probably forgotten most of them. And I need that repetition of this is, okay, we're working on NSF still. We're still working on NSF. We're still working on NSF. And we've had this amount of progress. Or this is what the NSF wants to do. You know, what do you guys think? Are you willing to pay $8,000 for UV or is that a bad choice? Um, You know, put a poll up or whatever, even if it's just a fun thing to engage. Sorry, I'm digressing. Um, I think, again, we're much closer in what, um, in lining up, but what the community keeps asking for is transparency. And that's the one thing we really want to be able to have, to be able to see the value of the FTA outside of these meetings. Well, that's why we agreed to come on to this podcast, because we're, we have no, no issue about not being transparent at all. I mean, that's the furthest thing from our mind. We want everyone to be engaged. And, um, and, and, and also, as long as everybody understands, 
We're a volunteer group of people. We have limited time and energy that we can commit to this. So if we switch our priorities and we focus our energy on making sure that the industry is spoon-fed information, because we've tried other ways of getting it out with newsletters and websites and Facebook pages and posts on the collective, as long as the industry understands that every time we do that, we're taking very precious resources away from the other increasingly long list of things that the industry is demanding from us. And I, I, th I think most people are in agreement that that is what they want. Um, I'd also love to know, I don't know who's on the board. I'd love to know who's on the board and I'd love to see like the hours they're racking if, because if they're not putting in time, maybe somebody else should be in there putting in time instead. Um, if somebody only shows up to the biweekly meeting, but isn't doing work great. There, I guarantee out of the 700 float centers out there, there are different, there are other owners who would love to jump in and do the work. So let's be transparent. Let's get it out there and start kind of weeding it out a bit. I think that, it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Um, we agree with you. Go on. I'll address the accountability issue that Dan brought up earlier too. Right. Yes. When, we have a few new people work that, that have uh, been volunteering time. Sandeep, Kaylin, and David, um, we really appreciate them oh, Jeremy's back there rolling and up there. And Jeremy soon, wherever nice. Jeremy is. I don't know where. There you are. <laughs> I, like, I didn't I didn't know that. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, so, when can we see our Kim, first? I'm going to call you. <laughs> when did we see our first uh, meeting notes? When can we see our first meeting notes? Uh, we have a next meeting on Thursday, so Friday. Okay. And Kevin, Glenn Lee, would you agree that that's a fair? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, when do you think would be a fair date for hours to be reported, if you feel like that is a fair? Well, off the top of my head, I think the best way to do that is probably just to create another page on the website where we just log in those hours in you know, real time, just as they happen. That's easy enough for other people to access. If people want it to probably know. should be for members, like a password protected page. Well, at this use point, a, use a Google document. The goal of getting everybody in the loop. Um, who said Google Doc? Colin, do you, Kevin? Do you think a Google, Google Doc might be easier to use than people logging into a website? You can create a quick Google form and embed it. Why, why, uh, why hide this? This, this is against the transparency call. Just be public with it. Include it with the meeting minutes. Here's what we talked about. Here's how our time is being spent. I mean, this should be public information that's as easy as possible for people in the industry to get to. As soon as you throw up a pass password protection on it, it's it's just another barrier to getting the information. So, and this, yeah. there's, no re there's no reason it shouldn't it shouldn't be public. You know, I mean, make it as easy as possible. That's, I agree with that. Um, I think the password protection has to come because we've been there are some organizations that have taken the information from the FTA website and the FTA classes and have gone to profit um, using them, and they are not even paid members. So I, I think that we're trying to protect our intellectual property. This is not intellectual property, and the you know the logging of hours is not intellectual property. But I think that eventually where we need to go is that there are benefits of membership, and if you're not a member, you don't get the benefit. Um, I think I, Sorry, in, I think this is an iterative process. I, I think yeah. we can sure. do something that's like really super available to anybody that wants it. And then over time, as, as that becomes uh, 
something that needs to be guarded, then we can adjust how it's done. And I, I can see a way through it. Cool. Awesome. And and when do you think we can see that by? In, in real uh, real terms. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Uh, I'm about to leave the country for a couple of weeks, and I don't know how much <laughs> I'll be done as much as I'd love to uh, work on this on my vacation. I don't think I will. Yeah. So it'll probably be uh, maybe toward the end of July. Okay. Great. Third, third week of July, I'll be back in, and I, I can get it done. Okay. Kevin, Shoshana, Glenn, and Lee, how do you feel about things right now? Do you, or let me rephrase that. Do you feel like we've made progress? Well, I think any time that we're communicating, we're making progress. Okay. Sometimes it's rough and uncomfortable um, for us, and I'm sure for you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I like knowing what the industry wants and, and adjusting what we do to try to meet the industry's needs. It's also a good opportunity for us to bring everybody up to date and kind of uh, clarify where we're spending our time and how we're setting our priorities. So I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate everybody showing up and, and having such a civilized conversation about it. I think it's very useful. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. Is there anything else, Shoshana, Glenn and Lee, you'd like to share before we close out tonight? I think this was a very good um, juice to get communication with us and the outside world to bring more people in. I, I think it's possible to use that right now. And it's very important right now. That's my Lovely. I appreciate you, Dylan, making this happen and all of your time, everyone in the community coming together. Um, I think we can all work together really well if, if that's what we choose. And I, and I hope we do. Thank you. Thanks, Shoshana. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Glenn and Lee. Um, yeah, the reason we wanted to um, start doing live podcasts like this uh, that are very community-based, and we actually switched the topic before we announced it to this because the FTA seems more critical than ever right now. Uh, it, the importance of it is, is really, I think, starting to flash in front of people's eyes. And, um, and with the disparity of, of the perceived value and what's going on, it seemed like a really important time to bring the community in with the FTA. And I, I personally feel like we've um, had a really cool, constructive, well, maybe not always cool, cool headed, uh, but positive, constructive uh, conversation tonight. So thank you guys very much. And thanks for taking the, the critical feedback. Um, I know that's not easy. Um, things, I, yeah, I get it. So thank you guys so much. I truly appreciate it. Uh, and to everybody else who's joined us tonight, thank you so much for joining and um, sharing tonight. Really appreciate it and for helping improve the FTA and FTA relations and also the community and, and the Float Collective. Thank you, guys. There you go, guys. I hope that works as a springboard for future developments. Whew. Before we close out, I want to give thanks to FloatAway for sponsoring this live episode. FloatAway.com is where you want to go to look at a plethora of different uh, float tanks that are available, including the largest float tank, the 10-foot in diameter circular uh, float pool uh, with a lid, without a lid, however you prefer it, named The Serenity by Dr. Feinstein, who they uh, work with out at uh, Liber. They've made the float tanks for them, but also cabins. Uh, individual float tanks like what we own, the Tranquility. They're also able to do lights uh, for the float tank as well as what we have and what our customers love are these uh, little stars in the roof that just provide this really nice space for if you're not listening to something like music at the beginning, 
to just be able to space out a little bit, look at something and let your mind quiet down while you are able to focus on something, which I really enjoy. But of course, if somebody does prefer the music, uh, Tranquility Tanks can do that as well. So again, floataway.com is where you want to go. And again, for a great relationship with a great company, uh, Ginny and Colin are amazing, amazing people and always treated us right, even when we just had one of their used float tanks, which got us in contact with them in the first place. Let's see here. I also want to just thank everybody for listening here. I definitely want to thank again the participants, both the FTA and the people listening. Really, really appreciate it. Even when things got a little tense there, uh, everybody felt uh, really respectful and I, I appreciate that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for um, finding that this is important and it's valuable to be uh, you know, learning about what's going on with the FTA and understanding it. So I really appreciate uh, everybody's time spending, you know, 90 plus minutes listening in to understand what's going on in, in this float world and uh, making sure that uh, you guys are staying informed. So really appreciate that. Also want to give thanks to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we've really been appreciating that. We've been feeling the love. Uh, really, really appreciate everybody who is investigating our Patreon and signing up for it. And let's see here, beyond that, oh, just want to, as always, mention uh, we are available for consulting. Uh, Artofthefloat.com forward slash consulting is where you want to go. Gloria Morris is also with us uh, for consulting. She is an uh, absolute rock star uh, for her business, running three float centers now, or at least developing three different float centers at the moment. Absolutely amazing. And want to thank Kim Hannon for writing our show notes each and every week, as well as participating in this tonight's episode. Really appreciate that as well. Some nice insights there. So thanks, Kim. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week.